It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I 270 and MD 85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1 800 Gambler. guys welcome back to the sideline podcast with coach steve this is coach steve of course i have another guest on uh coach brusso uh very honored to have him on here uh back when this COVID thing first started uh i had the opportunity to talk to him over zoom he was uh i'm a little older than him i wouldn't say he's a young coach but he was just you know he wanted to get out and talk to some coaches and i don't know why he picked me to talk to but he did uh so we talked a little bit of football and Way back when, he said, I'll be on your podcast if you ever want to. So I reached out to him just recently and honored to have him on here. Um, so, Coach, if you want to introduce yourself, I think I've got 11 listeners, so I think you're okay. So if you want to introduce yourself. <laughs> no worries. Appreciate it, Coach. So, like you said, um, I'm Drew Brusso, Coach Brusso. I am the defensive coordinator and strength conditioning coach at Pacelli Catholic High School up in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. So, look, I'm going to say appreciate it. Appreciate uh, Coach talking to me a couple months ago, like he mentioned just before. Kind of get a little bit, little bit more information, kind of about what we do potentially, you know, some other questions and whatnot. So happy to be here. Yeah, it was just I, I call this uh, cheap therapy. You know, we've been quarantined. I don't have to pay five five hundred dollars an hour to talk to somebody. Uh, so this is cheap therapy for everybody. Um, the first question I ask every person or coach is I always ask how did they get into coaching, whether it was football, basketball, whatever it was. Um, Cause for me, I want to do it. So I was 16 years old. I'm about to turn 30. So, you know, way back when I, I knew I wanted to do it um, from my head coach, he was the guy that kind of got me into it. So I always ask like, how did you get into coaching? Was it from playing? Was it from a role model? You know, so how did you get into this? You know, because I could have told you way back when, you're going to get gray hairs and lose your hair from this. Um, so how did you get into coaching? 
So it's actually a, a, a little bit different story than most people. And so I'm already losing my hair over the last about year or so, so I understand the pain <laughs> the situation. Um, I'm, I'm 27 now, so. Uh, but back to your question. So after, so I played here at UW Stevens Point for a few years. Um, gonna be kind of a long-winded story, so bear with me, fellas. Um, so after it was, it was. Spring, it was, I think it's spring in 2014. So I was a fullback. I was a, you know, third or fourth string fullback going in, going in for the previous season. Coming into spring, both the, both the guys in front of me were seniors. I was practicing the line to compete for a starting position. And our offensive coordinator, head coach, came and told me that they're switching the offensive philosophies. Um, all, all the fullbacks that we're that were on the depth chart were no longer going to be utilized. So we basically all got cut, uh, which is kind of a disappointing thing. Kind of left a bad taste in my mouth for several years. Went away from football, graduated in sixteen out of college. Kind of was in kind of kind of was in a bad place mentally, just trying to figure out you know what 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 this world has for me and everything like that. Um, Kind of humbled myself. Picked up some, picked up some uh, some scouting stuff through. There's a thing called the Scouting Academy. It's like former NFL personnel and whatnot trying to show you how to evaluate talent, right? And kind of got into that a little bit. You know, just, just got dipped my toes in. Really got got interested in it. At the same time, then one of my former teammates, uh, Ryan Ramchek, who uh, who went to a was a first round pick in the NFL. I think in 2017 or 2018. So he played with me at the D3 level, and then he transferred to to, to Wisconsin, obviously a Big Ten program. He was going through his draft process and everything and kind of going through stuff. I would see him once in a while, and, you know, the old juices started flowing again, and I figured I was past my prime athletically. You know, I was out I, – I couldn't play anymore, but what, so what was the next best thing? So I – so I talked to the head coach who I played for, sat down, had a meeting with him, and he just basically let me have an opportunity. My main job was, you know, just filming games and whatnot and practices. But he also let me do help, also let me help work on the uh, recruiting boards and everything and evaluations. So he gave me the fancy title, you know, of director of player personnel and video operations, aka I was a film guy who helped with recruiting, right? <laughs> so. That was kind of the way I got back into college, was kind of seeing one of my former teammates go through his draft process, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's very – I think it's very unique from most people's things. Like, oh, my, my dad was a coach, my, you know, whatever. I didn't have a dad. My, my dad was not a coach. <laughs> my dad was, was a welder and all that. So I really didn't have any coaching influence from a young age. So just kind of picked up and ran with it, and it's been – Four years since then, so it's been pretty good, I have to say. Yeah, we, we all have a different journey. Um, that's why I like asking that question. Everyone has been – everybody's answered it differently. I always tell them how I did it, and it's always been different. You know, there's no right way to do it. You know, I know people that graduate high school, and then five years later, six years later, seven years later, then they do it. So it's all different. Um, so you said you were the strength and conditioning – um, mm -hmm. As you get interested in that side of it, you know, us as football coaches, we like to think we know everything about weightlifting. Um, right. But 
the first time I've been around a real strength and conditioning coach, I played a little bit in college, been around that. A school a couple years ago, they had a strength and conditioning coach, and that's when he opened my eyes a little bit of like, I, I know the basics, but I don't know everything. So how did you get involved in that? Like, did that interest you when you were getting into coaching, or was that something that happened later? Did you always like doing that? You know, so how did that come about? Yeah. Um, so basically, I've always been a big, you know, weight room guy ever ever since I've been – ever since I first started picking up weights in high school. I've always loved lifting, right? Um, right you know, re- really, you know, took my stuff and started researching on my own while, while things were going along in college. Um, and then probably something we're going to talk about a little bit more later is I kind of got thrown into the strength conditioning role, at least at the redshirt level, when I was in junior college at Independence. So basically – Brown saw that I lifted weights almost every day, even though we had an 18, 20 hour schedule. And he's just like, all right, you seem like you know what you're doing. You take care of the red shirt guys so we can, so we can develop them. And we, we, and I did very, very, uh, fairly well at that. Got a couple, transformed a couple guys from, you know, skinny, I don't want to say, you know, derogatory terms, but like skinny fat offensive linemen, they're like six, six or two sixty, but they don't look good. Right. They're kind of sloppy bodies. Turn them into pretty good ones, and guys needed to lose weight, we got them there too. So that was kind of how I was, I was just thrown into the lines then, and I figured it out myself. Ran 75, 80 kids by myself at 5, 5 a.m. at 5.30 in the morning, just kind of working on developmental stuff with them. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm distracting myself over here, uh, stupid computer. Um, no, it's interesting because – the guy I talked to, he wanted to be a defensive line coach, and then he was kind of doing the college route and then started to do the weightlifting. He became a strength conditioning coach, and he goes, this is my – it's a way in. Like, that helps him get hired as a coach because that's just an extra thing you got. Um, yeah. so I'm always interested how that happens. Um, so you hinted at it. We'll just we'll just dive right into it. Um, coaches that don't know, you know, we talked off air before. Uh, coach was at Independence, Kansas. It's a community college. And yes, guys, if you watch Netflix, it's Last Chance U. Uh, they were there for their season three and season four. Um, so my question is, how did you end up at a place like Independence? Like I'm from Illinois, from small towns. Independence is a small town. So mm-hmm. how did you end up at Independence, Kansas, uh, for that community college life? Yeah. Um, so basically, like almost every coach in the country does that wants to move on and look for different opportunities. Um, I just started spamming job boards, looking at the scoop. You know, if you, if you coaches don't know, which I'm sure 90% of you guys do, go on football scoop, go to the jobs list, and there are jobs from here to kingdom come that are always open every year, right? So I saw that Independence had a job posting. And I, when I applied there, and most people don't believe me, I did not know they were – a part of last chance you. I just saw an opportunity at a college level that I could really, you know, get my foot in the door, you know, besides the D3 college that I'd played and coached for, you know, it's kind of central. I wanted to branch out a little bit. So I interviewed with Brown, you know, just kind of really quick. And, you know, I appreciate Coach Brown for taking the opportunity to take a chance on me. Um, interviewed for about five, 10 minutes, hung up, you know, I didn't hear back from him for two weeks. Then I just kept, you know, it was really the only lead I had on, on a job that somebody would actually respond to me. So I just kept, so I emailed him back a few times. Eventually he re, he responded and he gave me a, a, a 48 hour deadline to move all my stuff from Stevens Point, Wisconsin down to Independence, Kansas. So 
I got I got the I got the job offer accepted on Tuesday night. I had to be there bright and early at 7 a.m. on Friday morning. So wow. Oh yeah. And he's like, if if you don't want to be here, if you want it. So I did. And yeah, that's kind of how I got into that. It was so it was just so fast. But yeah. Well I, I both I, it's funny how you said people don't believe you that last chance she was there. I believe you because, you know, that show doesn't come out till way after the fact of a season. You know, by the time that show comes out, the next season's going to start, like football season. Mm-hmm. So yep. I believe you, Coach. I'm one of the guys that's going to sit here and believe you because I understand how that works or I understand, you know, when that show comes out. Um, so I'm going to get the, these questions out of the way. Um, I've watched a lot of coaches that are – Big time on that. You know, they always get interviewed during the show. What was it like coaching when there was cameras around? I'd be freaked out the whole time, I think. You know, if there's a camera around pointed at me somewhere. <laughs> like, how did you manage having a camera around? Yeah, and, you know, I'm not a big person who likes to boast and all that and be, in, be you know, be in the limelight. You know, I get a little, you know, get a little social anxiety when it comes to stuff like that. Um, especially at that time and when I – when, we, when they first mentioned that their camera's going to be around, we're like, okay, you know, whatever. A bunch of us were, new, were newer guys there. We didn't really understand, you know, the level of basically having no privacy besides being in your own your own dorm dorm room that you would have. So like I'd be sitting, we, we would be sitting there in the coach's office, and they would have the cameras sitting on us, you know, sometimes eight, ten hours a day. You know, mainly they would focus on Coach Brown and you know, us, you know some of the behind the scenes stuff. You know, any you have you had to watch what you say. You'd get mic'd up. They would, you know, and you had to basically sign your life away with a big stack of big old stack of papers. So, you know, if you chose not to, man, it was going to be really hard for you to to do do what you had to do around there. So, it, first six weeks or so, I would say, were just like I was so nervous to even say anything around people because you never knew who who was listening, right? And it's not like you're saying bad things. Just, uh, just normal, but it's like you, you really had to almost censor yourself with what you say because, granted, they filmed several thousand hours and only made it into a, what, eight-hour show or something like that? Right. But you never know what could pop up on on, on that on the TV screen. So you kind of had to watch what you what, what you said. You know, not, nothing crazy. Nobody's going to say anything terrible. But, you know, you what whatever people see you on camera for those what two minutes that you're on potentially that's what people are going to judge you on so right you you may not even say anything bad but if it's taken out of context or you never know when they're going to snip it up you don't know what's Mm -hmm. i would be extremely nervous i I couldn't do it i might be like you know what don't put me on the camera if that camera's around me i'm going to kick it out of your hand like don't put it around me uh yeah no, that's that's crazy that you had that experience because that's my next thing is, uh, you know, you got hired there. So what what kind of role in the coaching staff did you play? Was your you were you you mentioned you were the strength coach, you know? So what did he bring you in for for recruiting? Was it you know a position, strength and conditioning? What kind of huge role did you play at Independence? So, ironically, so I'm friends with. All, all of the coaches that I worked there with for the most part at that time. So when I got there, I thought I was taking a position coach, like, or at least an assistant position coach, right? 
right? right. Like that, that was my assumption. You know, that, that's, that's on me for not really following up on it before I got there. But, you know, uh, it is what it is. I actually was hired as the director of football operations. So I was doing the budgeting, travel stuff, doing all that. And I hadn't done – I had seen what it, what it was like at least somewhat at, at the D3 school that I, that I was at. But I, hadn't, but I hadn't done hotel stuff and anything like that. So it was a really – it was a real awakening experience. And, you know, I did my best with, with what I could do. And to be honest, like I was not perfect by any means. But – um, it turned into it was just DFO, and then um, he, he wanted he wanted me to help out with you know help help and be an assistant role to a position coach. So I helped do that with the running backs for my for my tenure. In addition, after that, he just started piling some other stuff on. So I took on the strength role just because I was lifting weights. You know, we had spring ball. We had practice in five hours. Yeah, I was lifting weights at midnight, one in the morning, because it, it was a way for me to kind of just get a release before, you know, the chaos ensued the next morning. Right. So you were just kind of a oh, jack of all trades while you were there. Just kind of did it everything. Yeah, you had to. You know, a lot. All all the coaches pretty much there had to do everything. But I mean, it, yeah. So I don't think one position is more important than the other. I. And say if you ever can get Coach Morales on here, he was his quarterback coach, and I'm firm believer that's probably the most difficult position in on that staff is being Coach Brown's quarterback coach, just because of his just because of his past. <laughs> I don't want to get any coach in trouble, so I could reach out to him and get him on. But I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I'm not here to. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, but I mean, everybody had to do way more than just coach their position. Like you had to do dorm checks. Grade checks, you know, class check, all that, all, you know, everything under the sun. So, but a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I was definitely the primary involved person in that. Well, I look at both sides of the coin. So since you did all that, that's a resume thing. So you ever try to go back to the college world, you could sit there and say, I did all this other stuff. Uh, You know, um, so you hint at it a little bit. We're going to move on from the quote unquote last chance you stuff. Um, could you explain what a JUCO life is like? You know, because people may not have ever went to community college, not played football at community college. They watch the show. And I'll sit here and tell you, I watched the show and thinking, oh, yeah, that's a good insight. But then when I talk to people, it's I don't know anything. You know, last chance you doesn't show everything. Uh, mm-hmm. So what's the JUCO life like? Not to get anybody in trouble, but like, how is it how is it so much different than your division one double A's division twos or division threes, even like how's the Juco life so much different than everything else. So basically from what my experience, so I use my experience as a D three player and coach in comparison to this. So junior college, you know, depending on the, depending on the affiliation, right. NJCA, I believe NJCA school. I, I always forget the acronym. Um, but if those schools can be some of those schools can be scholarship schools and independence and the JR conference is lucky enough to have some sort of scholarships. Very rarely do you get full scholarships for that, but at least, you know, stuff that can cover most of what you're gonna have to pay. The rest will probably be from financial aid and everything like that. Um, majority of the kids that we worked with were Pell Grant kids though. So came from very rough neighborhoods you know, unfortunate circumstances, what what have you? Um, these kids, you know, they've had they've had very difficult up the majority of them. So 
maybe a little bit more upfront, a little bit more, you know, understanding of, of what they're going through, but also be a little bit, little bit, have a little bit of tough love for them just because, you know, they need to, they need to, they need to overcome the obstacles that they've had in life to get where they want to be. Right. Right. And the talent level in junior college, the UC, like we get a lot of bounce backs, basically kids who would get in trouble with the D1s, want to transfer, but not sit out a year, yada, yada. They would, they would come to junior college. So you'd see like the talent level in most junior college facilities, especially in Jayhawk conference, it's, basically like like a d2 fcs quality program like there's that many good players and you know talent in in most rooms so the talent level and, and the speed just completely blew me away the first couple of weeks i was there but but from so from non non-talent evaluation perspective like we had to be basically their financial advisors their academic advisors for the most part we had we had one we had one lady who would do it, do it on campus, and she was great. You know, she took on two hundred people, two hundred schedules, and everything like that. But mainly, like if, if you had you had to help help kids do their homework sometimes, so you just sit down with them. You know, if a, if a kid can't read or write for the most part, but yet is trying to write a twenty page paper, you got to sit down and help them. Especially because I mean, if if you're not going to help him, nope, and he's too afraid or too proud to ask for help, I mean, he's just going to fail that. So you basically need to be the babysitters and like be a lot different than it is the college level. Like you, you may see the college coaches might see them, you know, for meetings, for weightlifting, you know, for film and all that. But we saw them literally almost every minute of the, of the day. Yeah. And then you mentioned earlier, I was going to ask like, then on top of that, you're talking about, you know, dorm checks and, you know, you're making sure they're in class. Do you, does that happen at the Division One level, or is that just Chuco? Like, you don't hear about Division One saying, "Let's make sure they're in class." They have somebody there to do a forum. You guys are like everything. Yeah, we, we basically do everything. Now, I've heard, you know, I've heard James Franklin, you know, like Penn State, is an example. He would call kids. He calls kids in the middle of class just to make sure that they're there. Okay, uh, okay. But I, I can't speak for all all the Division One programs. I don't know. I mean, I, w- I would love to know at some point, but um, yeah, that's. It, it was different because, you know, a lot of these kids, you said, have been troubled kids or have had rough upbringing. They're going to do what it takes to survive, even, even in the college world. So you got to make sure, especially, you know, I don't want to say just because, the, if, especially if they're, they're your dudes, you know, because you got to make sure every kid's okay. But, you know, some kids you know coming in have, have some red flags. So you gotta, you got to stay on top of them. got to keep them in line. Otherwise, they're just going to run rampant. Right. Um because I think people uh, – I keep going back to last chance, you know, and I don't mean to, but when you watch the show, the first two seasons, they were in East Mississippi. They seem to have more resources for stuff like that than Independence did. And so when people mm-hmm. were talking about it, you know, I said you can't look at them both to say, like, why does Independence not have this or that? Well, they don't have the resources or the boosters or whatever. East Mississippi is going to spend the money to do this. Independence, you have to build that up to get to that point. And I don't think people, I mean, that's just my take from, I've talked to some coaches from East Mississippi and, you know, and talked about it. And that's kind of my take on it was East Mississippi is going to spend the money to do this. Independence, you have to prove to them why they should spend the money. And these division one programs have no problem spending the money because they have the money. Uh, yeah. 
you know, the Alabamas and Clemson's of the world, they have the money, you know. Uh, so Juco just kind of seems like that nitty gritty type of place where you're going to get that tough skin, go to division one and succeed is kind of what it seems like. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I had a question off the top of my head and I kind of forgot about it. Oh, now I remember. So recruiting for Juco, how is it different than another college? Cause you need to correct me if I'm wrong. This is me learning. If you're a division, okay. if you're a division one coach, you're looking at the best of the best, obviously your five-star guys, you know, the big time guys um, at the Juco, you kind of want those guys too, but realistically, are you going to get those guys if they're going to go to Alabama? So how does recruiting is, how is recruiting different? Like how do you recruit kids to a junior college? It's, it's a very, so basically recruiting, like you have to keep recruiting is a 365 day thing in junior college, especially because you, and it's not like, so for example, let's, let's take these division one schools right now. Right. So they're basically filling up their 2021 class right now. They're, it's pretty much full except for, you know, maybe the, maybe the five to 10 kids that they need for signing day. Right. Right. So they're mainly on their 2022 kids right now, the 2022 class. Junior college-wise, say if we're say if we're in 2020 right now, you're looking at kids from 2018, 2019, and 2020, or you know, maybe some special somebody who still has some eligibility to work with, and if, and if you know the stars align, you can bring them in. So you you gotta you gotta recruit across many different recruiting classes, and you know these big time five star kids, some of them who have all these offers, but then all of a sudden you look a couple of days before signing day, a lot of them go away. That's usually an indicator of something like some, something they don't want, or they, maybe the kids aren't eligible. A lot of the kids who we get are academically in, in, ineligible to have a lot of offers. Right. Or, you know, sometimes they, they get even, even out of the college, out of the other four year schools. If, if a kid flunks out, he, he can go to junior college. You know what I mean? So you have to pull from high school, from different colleges, from everything. Like it's it's a lot different than just doing the high school ranks and maybe a, an occasional JUCO or two at the four year school. You know what I mean? It's basically right. have to you have to pull from every single avenue that you can find. You have to turn over every single rock that you can because you never know where a kid can, can kid could be that could be your neck your next star. Right. So you guys are working ten times harder than. Division one coaches, it seems like when you're trying to recruit, because you're going to go way back in the past, you know. Yeah. See, I'm learning here. See, I yep. think I know things, but I, you know, I don't know things, and so that's very interesting. That's why you always hear how junior college coaches work harder than everybody else. And then, so how hard is it to coach? I wonder how hard it is is it to coach those kids because every year you're going to have a different yep. class, like, you know. High school, you might have a kid for three years. Division one, you might have them for two or three years. Junior college, you'll have them one year and then they're gone. Yep, you'll have them a maximum maybe of twenty four months, maybe in, in a very special circumstance. But usually it's twelve to eighteen. And if they're and if they're actually qualifiers out of high school, which they are just underdeveloped but have really good grades, the second they pick up an offer, they can be gone. So you can literally have a kid who can go through maybe spring ball. You get them in January and early in early, and after like we had it after the spring game. We had a kid literally get a power five offer during the spring game in 2018 
So he, he, he just shut him down. He, he went off. He, he played it. He's playing in a power five school right now. So he was gone. He had great grades. All he needed to do was to develop a little bit. The coaches saw it. They saw how his spring tape was working and they offered him. That's crazy. See, I, see, I'm glad I brought you on coach. You're, you're giving me some knowledge into that Juco world. I didn't care about the last chance you crap. I'm more worried about the Juco life. I'm more worried about how that works. Right. Um, so now we'll go back to you. So I think, is this your first year being a defensive coordinator? It is. So the pre- I, I've been an offensive coordinator at the high school. So I understand your first time, you know, I don't know if you want to call it stress, but it's like, okay, I have to do this. I have to do this. What happened with COVID? I'm sure you went into it with a plan. <laughs> going to install. This is what we're going to work with. Yeah. What exactly changed? Like, I'm sure everything changed, but were you able to keep some things intact, like how you were going to install, or did you have this plan, COVID hit, and you threw it all out the window and had to restart from scratch? Um, most of the plan, actually, like, I'm a big believer, especially coming from the junior college ranks of the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid, for, for a lot of these kids, because they have so many things going on during the day, like, especially at these smaller school, at the, at the smaller schools that we're at, like... These kids have so much, and you know, it's a pretty good academic school that we're at, so they have a lot of pressures going on. I don't need to design, you know, a multiple front deep, like a multiple, like four, three, three, four, everything defense, try to force everything out upon them, and they don't pick up anything. I've kind of kept it to where it's going to be a very simplified defense, like the job responsibilities are not going to be very complicated. We might run a few different coverages. We we have a, we have a couple different wrinkles we can mix in just just to keep teams on their toes and make sure they stay honest. But I'm not a big believer in making you know trying to reinvent the wheel with these kids. Now, I, am I bringing bringing in a new scheme to the defense? Yes. Do I believe we were a little bit too multiple last year? Yes. I was a special teams coach last year, so I kind of understand these kids. Understand from an evaluation perspective what they're good at, what they're not good at. You know, and I've I've made a full philosophical thing just because I think we need more. We don't have an, as many big bodies up front, and we need more speed on the field, and we have that. So, um, so you told me off air, so I'm going to ask so people out there can hear. So, what's Wisconsin's situation with this COVID? You know, like I, like I told you at the very beginning, Illinois, we're going to the spring. We have no choice. Um, you were talking about how Wisconsin does have a choice with COVID on how you guys can play your games this year. Yep. Uh, so basically what we've been told is we're getting a seven game season, right? So we get a seven game season, potential playoffs in the fall. We don't know, right? It, it won't be a full scale state state tournament, but you know, maybe something maybe like regional or whatever. Right. So, you have so Wisconsin schools, from what I've been so don't quote me on all this though. So I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know everything, I don't know a lot of things. But basically, you were have you had to have a soft buy in, like an opt in date of September 1st, basically telling the WIA, which is our governing body for sports, that you were planning on playing in the fall. Now, say there's a lot of schools, so for you coaches who don't. Under so don't know the big areas in Wisconsin population wise, you know, Madison, Milwaukee, the Green Bay Fox Valley area, those are the big three, right? So, most of those schools in those areas are going to the spring ash. They've opted to go to spring because either their county health departments have, have told them no, um, 
you know, their administration has said it's it's not worth trying to do whatever, right? Um, we have the 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 public high school here in Stevens Point is one of the biggest in the state. It only has three for you know we're not huge in enrollment total overall the state, but for us the senior high school in town has only three grades, ten through twelve, and it has over twenty over two thousand kids. Easy. So, um. They have shut down. They have said they're going to the spring because they have like if the, a lot of your coaches have tried to pot over the summer, ten to twenty kids maybe you know with, with one coach and all that. Well, our roster is under thirty here here at Pacelli, so basically we're we're our own pod. So we've and the conference that we are in have all agreed to play. Um, I do not know the thing about fans being in the stands or anything like that. Um, but we have to go actually on the road for all nine, all not nine. I wish it was nine, but all seven of our road games because the city of Stevens Point. We have a community field that that both high schools and the college use, and we they were told or they voted that we cannot use the field for this coming season. So we are on the road for all seven of our games. Wow, you know this COVID thing needs to disappear at some point. <laughs> Yep. Um, so I know you're going to install a new defense this year. So for you, what defense are you a fan of that you want to use this year? You and I talked about it a little bit at the beginning. You don't have to go in great detail, but what defense do you think you can use for kids to keep it simple? Like I know everybody can make an argument for everything, but for you personally, yeah. from your experiences, what defense do you think you could say, okay, we only have 30 kids. We got to keep it simple. They have to be able to not think. What defense for you does all that? Um, I'm a big, I'm a big f- fan of three down defense. Um, we're gonna use, we're gonna use a version of the of the stack this year. Um, kind of keep it a little bit more simple. You know, try to be gap sound. Try to try to keep six in the box as much as we can. You know, you know, if, if teams are gonna try to ground and pound on us, they're you know, it's it's gonna be a long day. For both sides, it's going to be three to four yards a clip probably all game long. <laughs> so we're, we're going to prevent the deep ball and keep keep us sound in the run game, and I think we'll be okay. Um, so being a first-time defense coordinator, um, what experiences yep. did you take from a JUCO or coaching before that you'll bring in to you actually calling the shots on that side of the ball? Like, what did you learn to say, okay, I'm going to use this now that I – because you're the head coach of that defense is how I look at it, you know. Uh, right. You know, so how, what ex, What did you learn from those experiences that you could use now to be a defensive coordinator? Yeah. Uh, the main guy that I've picked up, at least on defensive stuff, was Coach Martin down at Independence. You know, I have a, you know, utmost respect for the guy. You know, he – very, very influential guy on me, at least – from afar, I didn't really I didn't interact with him on a daily basis, but seeing how he went about himself, seeing how he studied film and everything like that, that's kind of what I've taken from him, kind of seeing the little nitty-gritty details and, and trying to get an advantage on your opponent. So, um, Now, you said you played offense when you were playing. Have you ever coached offense before, or was it always defense? So I actually – in college, I helped out doing you know stuff with like – running backs, H-backs, tight ends, stuff like that. That's been my main thing. I actually came into uh, college as a nose tackle. So 
I kind of was the I was I was kind of always a defensive guy, kind of forced into an offensive role. And you know, you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. So that's kind of why after I was done playing, I helped with coaching it. Fullbacks, running backs, stuff like that. But I've always been a defensive guy really at heart. So because I was gonna ask, um, I've talked to some coaches on here that have coached both sides and now they're on one side or the other. So from coaching position on offenses, do you think that helped you on the defensive side of the ball? Saying, since I've been on the offensive side, when they line up this way or do this, this is why, because now you know kind of the insides of it? For the most part, yeah. Um, like most offenses, like there, there's always a lot of window dressing, in my opinion, you know, motions, stuff like that, at, you know, whatever fault, you know, influence blocks or pulls or whatever. Really, it's a pretty simple game in, in, you know, between the numbers. There's not many things that are very – there's not much variety that I see. Like, there might be different, like, philosophies and, like, different ways you line up, but a lot of the plays are pretty much the same when, when, you, when you really break, break it down. So, I mean, you, you can make all the window dressing you want in the world, but really it just, it just maybe gets you into a, into a certain scenario that you want to take. But what's your bread and butter, right? That, that's my main thing. What do you like to do and how do you like to do it? Right, yeah, because I'm an offensive guy, so I look at it differently, but I've coached on the defensive side of the ball, so I try to tell them, you know, if they're doing this, this is why, but I'll be wrong sometimes, but that's okay. Uh, So when you're watching film, you know, from your college experience, JUCO experience, when you're watching film, what's the first thing you're trying to say? Are you trying to find that bread and butter, say this is what they like to do, we're going to stop it, I don't give a rat's ass about anything else? You know, what are you looking at when you're watching film? on another team's offense. My first thing is when I watch film is like, I usually have like a box score or something next to me. And I, and I look at like, how do they get what they get? And then, and even more importantly, who's their dudes, right? Who are the guys that no matter if, you know, when, when all else fails, who do they turn to to get the job done? Right. Right. And then, you know, do I also look at potential potential guys who maybe we could attack a little bit more than others? Yeah, if I, if 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 that's a case. But if you try to worry about trying to attack their weaknesses the whole time and not stopping their strengths or at least slowing their strengths down, I think I think you're going to be playing catch up the whole game. That's my opinion. Right. Yeah, I like the way you think because sometimes as coaches we make things too complicated. You know, because there's so many different ways to do things. If you keep it simple, offense, defensively, special teams, you'll be okay. You get those kids to think fast, they'll be fine. We, we make things way too complicated sometimes. Uh, and I don't know why, but we do. Uh, that's just what we do. Um, so, Coach, I promise you this will be a short show because I know you guys started football. You got things to do. So that's what I got for you. Um, I always leave the very end for you guys to have any final thoughts, anything you guys want to say, get off your chest. Uh, this is therapy time. So anything you got to say, this is your time. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it. Appreciate having me on. Um, you know, to, to anybody who's listening out there, any fellow coaches, you know, I, I love talking ball. You know, I'm going to be a little bit more busy now with our season taking place for however long it is. If it's, you know, two games and we get to play our, our other five in the spring, so be it. Um, but I always like talking shop with guys. You know, I'm a very, I'm a very relaxed guy until you get me on, get me on the practice field, and then you know all hell breaks loose. Um, but uh, like like I said, um, Coach Bruso, defensive coordinator and strength coach at Pacelli, 
Catholic High School up here in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, what have you, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, my Twitter, Coach Bruce No. I mean, if you want to use Instagram, I don't use it very often. Maybe maybe get <laughs> my own personal lifting stuff, but it's same thing. So take care, fellas. All right, Coach, I appreciate you having you on. Um, everybody out there, stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask if you need to. We got to get through this and get back to some normalcy. Um, so everybody out there, thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.